It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the MMA fanatic, Mean Gene. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Mean Gene 22 And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Gene, here we go. UFC 261, Usman versus Masvidal 2. Guys, this one will be at the Buy Star Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. It is this Saturday, and this one will be on pay-per-view. Gene, I know Dana White was really excited to go ahead and return here uh, to Florida. Florida was like, you know, the first place that said, hey, you know, with all the coronavirus stuff going on, uh, we know how difficult things are for really everybody, but really in general, just the UFC. They invited the UFC and Dana White, you know, to go down there and hold their event and I guess Dana kind of, you know, he kind of had to hold off a little bit, but he's like, you know, we'll be back, and uh, they're back, and, and they're going to have a, a packed crowd here, so this is going to be an exciting one. I think we have a fantastic main card. You know, we got three title fights. Now, I'm not exactly super impressed with the prelims, but, you know, there are a few fights that I do want to go ahead and talk about uh, that I think are a little bit intriguing. So, guys, we'll go ahead. We'll do two prelim fights. We'll do the entire main card, but before I go ahead and I jump into this one, I'm excited, but Gene, I want to know exactly how excited you are for this big UFC event on Saturday night. Yeah, I'm super excited for this event. It's been a long time coming. We haven't had fans in over a year, and Dana White made a promise to the city of Jacksonville that he would deliver a big card in the future as a show of appreciation for them welcoming the UFC back in May of 2020 for UFC 249. And he's delivered. You know, it's an absolutely stacked card, three title fights. So I, I'm I'm super excited for this. Um, and, and and the other aspect of this card being in Jacksonville with fans that's different from the UFC Apex is, you know, they're back in the big cage. It's a 30 foot cage. Uh, UFC Apex is a 25 foot cage. So you know, that's definitely going to play a part in a lot of these matchups, especially for for wrestlers. Um, versus a striker, you know, a striker has more um, cage uh, to move around in. When you're in that 25-foot cage, man, the wrestlers kind of dominate because there's just less space and they can just stay on top of their opponent. So that's one key thing. The other aspect, too, is, you know, the coaches. You can hear the coaches in the UFC Apex without any fans. You're hearing, you know, what you need to do. You're also hearing your opponent's coaches, too. So that gives you a little advantage as well. That's going to kind of be gone. Um, you can still kind of hear them a little bit with the fans, but the fans will, will drown some of that out. And then the uh, the other aspect that's very interesting is the um, the fans swaying the judges. You know, a lot of times a fighter, it looks like he lands a punch, but if he, he lands on the shoulder, on the chest, and the fans erupt because they think it was a clean shot. And um, those type of actions by the fans sometimes will, will sway judges, especially in, in – in different states, um, like for for example, like Houston, um, you know, California and and Nevada have have the best athletic commissions and the best judges for the most part. They you know they even make mistakes as well. But you have some other places that have some questionable judges and commissions, and you know, like Texas being one of them. And um, when you have fans that are yelling at you know some questionable shots or you know, booing in some questionable moments, you know, when fighters are on the ground or whatever it is, you know, they can sway the judges. So I think those those three things are some interesting aspects of the UFC holding a fight in Jacksonville, Florida with, with a, a full crowd. So I'm super excited. You know, the UFC is a UFC, man. They, they deliver. 
And this isn't the only one they're going to have. They're going to have UFC uh, 262 will be in Houston, and they're also going to have full capacity there. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But but let's let's focus on on this card because man, it, it's it's a great one. You know, you mentioned that Dana's a, a man of his word, and I think that you know that that's a good thing. You know, you brought up California, and, and he said, you know, specifically, he's like, California will be back. I believe there was a, a fight they were going to book on one of the Indian reservations. But I think one of the things that might get some fighters in trouble, Gene, and this is basically going to be the guys who, you know, were really, really active probably within, you know, just this COVID break is that, you know, they probably got used to, you know, being able to hear their coaches and things like that. And now it's like, it's going to be a little bit harder. So if those guys were really, really getting comfortable and being able to rely, you know, on being able to hear their coaches and, and hear their corners, um, that things are going to change. So I, I'm just curious, you know, how that's all going to work out and, you know, how it's going to change for some of the fighters, you know, with fans back. Yeah, definitely. It's it's going to be a change for them, man. I mean, it, it's one thing to be in the cage where you clearly hear your coach and as the opponent, you know, you're hearing your opponent's coaches as well you know so you that that gives you an advantage you know gives their fighter a disadvantage you know you're able to hear your coach and now it's you know you get comfortable but as you just mentioned you know some of the wrestler guys you know if if they were active and i think a lot of you know we start handicapping these guys you know come down the road here is you know hey this guy fought you know four or five times over the last year those are guys that we're gonna have to be careful of and and although you know kind of wrestling is king when it comes to you know ufc there there might be opportunities there, especially within the prices to go ahead and say, you know what, maybe I'll back away from this wrestler, you know, particularly just for this fight. And you might end up getting a good price. So um, I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll be breaking that stuff down as those guys come around. Uh, but that's certainly something that we should take a look at. What I do want to go ahead and take a look at here, Gene, in one of the prelim fights, Dwight Grant, uh, he's going to be minus 240. He's going to go up against Stefan Sekulik. I'll go ahead and I'll start this one out. I feel like Grant's the better fighter. I feel like the odds, though, are correct here. So there's a little a little bit of room here, I feel, to go ahead and make a bet. You know, I think that Grant is the more experienced fighter. Eventually, I have a feeling like he's going to get Sekulik down here uh, more than a few times because Grant, you know, he was rather successful with his takedowns, uh, especially over his last couple fights. You know, he's been rock solid in that area. Now, he's been rock solid in that area, believe it or not, since he's coming to the UFC. I don't think that's going to change here. You know, this looks to me like probably like a slow grind, ground and pound type of fight for Grant. Sekulik, in my opinion, just not experienced enough, you know, and not experienced, you know, for this particular level. This is a big step up in class for him, but I think it is a great test for Sekulik. I don't believe he's going to pass this test, Gene. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bet this fight to end in a KO or a TKO. I feel like that's probably the best bet here because Sekulik... You know, he has shown in some of his past fights that he can be a legit threat on his feet, and he does have some good power. So I'm going to go ahead. I'll bet that, Gene. I'll bet fight ends in KO, TKO minus 125. What are you thinking about for that one? So I don't have a ton on this fight. I do like Dwight Grant here. I believe that his striking will ultimately be the difference. He has killer instinct, pinpoint accuracy, and he definitely has a speed advantage here. And he also has legit knockout power. We saw in his last fight um, against Rodriguez where he had Rodriguez out of there. The ref should have called the fight for whatever reason. He let it keep going on. And Rodriguez ended up coming back and, and knocking out Grant in the end. I think Grant just tired himself out. He was really trying to finish Rodriguez when he hurt him. But um, as for his opponent, his opponent, exactly like he said, he rushes forward. 
He loads up with his big left hand. He is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but he likes to strike. He doesn't throw a lot of volume, but when he does, they're powerful shots. So I'm not going to take any type of prop in, the, in, in this fight. But if I was to take one, I would side with you. Another uh, fact here is Grant has 10 wins, and seven of those wins are, are via knockout. So the price is right here in the sense of, you know, minus 240. His opponent's been out for two years, two going on three years now. So who knows what type of fighter he's going to be when he comes back into the cage. And Grant's path to vic- victory is knockout. So I have Grant winning this fight, and I do think it's probably going to be by, by, by knockout. All right, well, that certainly makes me feel pretty good there, Gene, the fact that you're going to go ahead and at least agree with with my pick. I was thinking about taking Grant, but minus 240, I'm just like, you know what, man? A lot of these dogs, you know, they do tend to come in here, you know, on the prelims and the early prelims. I I guess maybe I got gun shy gene or something like that. And then I'm looking at Seth Kalik. I'm like, this dude could knock people out. And, And I know Grant can knock people out. So I was like, let me just be careful and not, you know, try to plug this guy into a parlay or lay 240 with him. And then I started to really convince myself. I really started to like um, the KO, TKO. So let's jump into another one of the prelim fights, though. Here we have Alex Oliveira. He's going to go ahead. He's going to face Randy Brown. I think this is going to be a good one. Brown, he's going to be right around minus 155. Uh, Oliveira, you can get him right around plus 130, 135. Gene, I'll let you go ahead and rip this one off first. Oliveira, Randy Brown, what are you thinking? Yeah, this is a coin flip fight for me. Um, I think the line is, is perfect. Brown comes in, he's tall, he's lanky, big for the division. He's going to be this stronger, better grappler in this matchup. Uh, He does a really good job of using his size and strength, uh, especially up against the cage. But the one thing that I don't like about him, he always ends up on the bottom uh, in any time the fight hits the ground. He has some slick submission game from the bottom, but I just don't like that he is on the bottom because in the judge's eyes, if you're in, if you're on the bottom for the majority of a round, you tend to lose that round, especially if you're not, you know, locking up a submission. So, and Cowboy can wrestle, man, and he can control Brown if he needs to. Uh, on the feet, Cowboy is the more explosive fighter, though. Um, he definitely has a chin. He's only been knocked out once. He really only has issues in his career against elite grapplers. I wouldn't consider Brown an elite grappler. Uh, he's a decent grappler. It's really, for me in this fight, it boils down to which Oliveira are we going to get. He either comes in focus and he looks like a world beater where you're like, man, this guy could fight the, the best of the best in the division and compete, or he just lays a dud. You know, he just comes in there and he just lacks a days ago just looking for a paycheck and does not care whether it's he gets his win bonus or not. So for me... In this matchup, I feel like he is going to be able to control Brown. Like I said, Brown tends to be on his back a lot in these matchups. I think Cowboy's going to come in here and get the victory. I think he'll control him on on the ground. But the one thing I will say is I kind of am leaning towards a prop in this one, the over two and a half rounds. Uh, Brown's pretty durable himself. Oliveira for sure is durable. As I said, he's only been knocked out once. Um, if he can just avoid the submission game of, of Brown, I, I see this going to the uh, judges' scorecards. So um, over two and a half rounds is only – you only have to lay a little bit. It's minus 125 for that. So straight pick. I'm going to side with the dog here. I'm going to go with Oliveira, and I'm leaning towards 
taking the uh, prop of over two and a half rounds for minus 125. Well, that makes me feel pretty good that you didn't go ahead and take Brown. I'm not going to take Oliveira either. More than likely, I'm going to go ahead and end up passing this one. I'll give you my breakdown here, but as I was looking at it, I didn't feel too confident. And and you mentioned it, Gene. I'll tell you exactly what talked me off this is you don't know what the hell Oliveira might look like. You know, I think Brown has a lot of advantage in this one. I mean, he's going to have the height advantage. He'll have the reach advantage. He'll have the age advantage. And Oliveira, though, you know, he he's very experienced. So he's certainly going to have that advantage. I feel like he could do a bunch of different things. I'm just on the fence with this one. You know, Brown, now he might be hard to reach, you know, for Oliveira. Brown does carry, you know, a full four inches in height, and I think that's going to help him. I just worry that Oliveira might not be able to, you know, go ahead and get through him, put up enough volume to where if Brown's being elusive and, you know, Brown's certainly going to use that height advantage. I just wonder if if Oliveira can go ahead and get off enough volume and eventually connect enough. You know, judging from from Brown's past fights, you know, sometimes he tries to get a little bit too cute, and that's kind of worries me. He'll every now and again jump into this firefight that he certainly doesn't need to go ahead and get into, and that's kind of what worries me about him because we know Oliveira, he's going to try to get you off his game. He's been around for a long time. He's a crafty vet, Um, and and Oliveira's not a guy that that you can really just go ahead and, and knock out. I mean, he hasn't been knocked out, you know, since 2017 doesn't have a whole lot of knockouts on his record. So I just felt rather perplexed, Gene. So I'm not going to go ahead and bet this one. I see a bunch of risks here for Brown. And then I would say maybe a bunch of holes here for Oliveira. So it's a pass for me. That's what I'm going to do in that one. That'll close up the prelims there. I want to go ahead and jump into our main card. This should be this should be a pretty good first one here. Gene, I mentioned on one of our past podcasts, uh, that I was just going to go ahead and I was going to fade Anthony Smith. You can go ahead and get Anthony Smith if you like the dog in this fight. That plus 160. You could also go ahead and bet the favorite crew, minus 200. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to stick with the prediction that I made, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make the bet. I'm going to go ahead and take crew. Look, I, I wonder if Smith's going to be comfortable, you know, coming away from the announcer booth right now. Now, he's got 50 professional fights under his belt. You know, I don't know what a what a Smith win even does for him here uh, at this point in his career. I'll, I'll probably just say next to nothing if he does go ahead and, and, and get a win here. Smith recently got beat up by Radzik. That wasn't pretty. The Teixeira fight wasn't pretty at all either. He got his rear end killed in that one. Now, he did beat Gustafson, but then he basically was whitewashed, you know, against John Jones. Now, Smith did win his last fight. Give a man credit for, for what he did, and that came against Devin Clark. But that was a first-round submission. I don't want to go and say he got lucky, but that's not going to work here against Crew. Smith's got a small chance, you know, of getting this one over that early. And as for Crew, I feel like this is going to end up being a big name on his resume. But I also feel like he's just a better fighter. And he needs a guy like Anthony Smith, you know, on his resume. And it has to result, you know, in a win. Now, Crew, you know, he hasn't had a fight that has lasted more than, you know, the first round in his last four fights. That does worry me a little bit here because I know Smith is tough, so I just hope that Crew, you know, isn't in this thing, in this state of mind where, oh, this will be over in the first round. Smith's takedown defense, it's not all that bad, but I feel like it would kind of need to be elite against Crew. Crew knows standing with Smith is probably going to end up being a bad idea. You know, Crew will probably end up getting picked apart, especially with Smith, you know, with his leg game, his striking game. Crew, uh, for me, he'll probably end up trying to maul Smith, you know, once he can get him down. And I think eventually, 
you know, the ground and pound is going to lead to, believe it or not, a submission. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to parlay Crute here with Shevchenko. I think that's the way I'll go ahead and use him. And I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll pizza bet Crute to go ahead and win by submission plus 750. I feel like that's a great price. So that's what I'll do in that one there. I'm, I'm not going to back off my prediction there, Gene, of going ahead and fading Smith. I feel pretty comfortable with that. How are you feeling about Smith and Crute? Yeah, this is one of my favorite plays. Um, I have a bunch of them. I got three or four on this card, but um, this is probably number four, maybe five. I like Crew here. Uh, at this point in both of their careers, he's the more active guy. He's a more aggressive guy. He's an in-your-face fighter. He's tough, durable, throws big punches on the feet, nasty kicks. He's super aggressive and, and pushes a high pace. And man, Anthony Smith just seems to start very slow, and it's it's just his that's that's been the tendency in his entire career. He always starts slow, and I don't feel like Crute's gonna get lulled lulled into that. He's gonna attack him. He's gonna be in his face, and we've already seen Anthony Smith. I think you hit it on the head at the beginning when you said you wanted to fade him, um, and I'm in the same boat. You know, this guy, he had a nice run. He got to a championship against John Jones, but you just saw that he was just, he wasn't of that echelon of the light heavyweight division. And since then he's, he's had wins, losses, wins, losses. And in his losses, he's, he's gotten dominated. You mentioned the Glover Teixeira. I mean, that was an absolute beating, absolute beating. I think Glover took his soul a little bit and he was lucky in, in his previous fight. I feel to, to, to beat, um, beat Clark in the first round. Clark um, had some moments and looked like he was potentially going to win in that first round as well. So I, I just – I don't trust Anthony Smith anymore. I feel like this is what the UFC does. The UFC finds a name fighter, and they match him up against a young up-and-coming prospect that they have some confidence in, Feel feels like can be a player in the UFC or in, in their current division. And that's Anthony Smith here, and that's Jim Jimmy Crew. UFC is back in Jimmy Crew. They feel like man, his his star potential is 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 bright. And Anthony Smith is just that old lion. They're feeding him to to the new hungry lion in Jimmy Crew. And I feel like Jimmy Crew's going to go out there and and get a finish. And and one of my uh, favorite plays, prop plays on, on this one is that this fight will not go to a decision. It's minus one seventy seven. Uh, both these guys are finishers, and when they aren't finishing their opponent, they're getting finished themselves. Uh, for Anthony Smith, 11 of his 15 UFC um, fights have ended in a finish, so that's at a 73% clip, and that includes 10 of his last 12 fights, which date back to 2016. And then as for Jimmy Crute, Jimmy Crute's 6 for 6. Um, he's had six fights in the UFC. All six have ended in finishes. Um, so obviously 100%. And if you go back before the UFC and you just look at his entire pro career, 10 of his 13 fights have ended in a finish. So that's 77%. So, man, both of these guys are are tough and they're fairly durable. So that's the only thing that worries me a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, the numbers point to this one, you know, not seeing the judges' scorecard. So um, one of actually my favorite uh, prop play on this card is that this fight between Jimmy Crew and Anthony Smith does not go to a decision. And for a sh- just straight pick, I like Jimmy Crew here. And most likely, I will end up betting on, on Jimmy Crew. I just think you're getting the, uh, the, the younger, hungrier, more talented fighter 
um, versus the guy that's, you know, one foot out the door and you're getting him at minus 200. I think that's a pretty solid price, to be honest with you. Um, so I got Jimmy Crew here. It's funny because after I did my handicap and listening to your handicap, I, I'm, I'm going to say that you probably probably have the best bet uh, in this fight. I, I, I agree with you. I, this one probably doesn't go the distance. I, 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 I didn't even really consider that. I felt like I was just all in on Crew, but you know, after we had talked, you know, you you kind of convinced me that that was a good one. And I was thinking about Eugene too because you know, the, and the UFC will do this a lot, you know. And and you mentioned it, they're gonna stick, you know, a, the biggest name that they can, a guy who's you know pretty much on his way out the door against one of these up and comer guys. And Crew certainly that he's got a twelve and one record. There's a reason why he's a minus two hundred favorite. I mean, you do have to go ahead and give respect to Smith because every now and again you'll see. You know, that crafty old vet who we think is going out the door, he'll have one last gasp of, uh, of fresh air and he'll he'll pull out, you know, some type of a, a I don't want to say a miracle win, but um, they do get their wins every now and again. But you're right, Gene. I was thinking about you when I was doing this and I'm like, you know what, Gene's probably going to mention that, you know, Smith is, is going to be that guy that's kind of the stepping stone, you know, for this young guy. So uh, that's really one of the reasons why I really like crew, too, because that was something that I, I strongly thought about. Let's jump into our next fight here. This one should be, I think this might have chance to be one of the better fights on the card. Uh, Chris Weidman, minus 125. He's going to go up. He's going to face Uriah Hall. Uh, right now, Hall, right around even money. Gene, I know you have a pick on this one. So I'll give you I'll give you my pick in this one. It's going to have to be a pass. Uh, both of these guys, they fought way back in like 2010. So we're going back, what, 11 years ago. I'm not really sure that that matters a whole lot. You know, I really want to go ahead and take kind of haul here, but I do have a ton of respect here for Weidman. You know, I'm not sure if, you know, Weidman is is fighting at Hall's level right now, but I know that he he certainly can. For me, it's like it's Weidman. It's what he's done in the past. Ultimately, I think it's just I have to pass this fight because I respect Weidman so much. And this could be, you know, that time of, you know, Weidman's career where he he makes that big statement. And he's like, you know what? I'm back. And I believe that he made a pretty decent statement after he beat Omari Akhmedov, who I think is actually pretty good. So, you know, maybe maybe Weidman's going to try to make that big statement, make that big second comeback in his career. So ultimately, I'm going to go ahead and pass. I'm going to watch this one. You know, I like both fighters, you know, specifically. I think both guys are really good for the sport. I, I like what they've done over their career. But I just feel like I have to go ahead and pass. So, Gene, hopefully you got something on this one that, that's kind of worthwhile. I, I, I really, you know, I just don't have anything. I'm, I'm going to enjoy probably watching this one. So uh, I don't want to force a wager here, Gene. I'll depend on you and and then whatever you say. Uh, maybe you'll go ahead and convince me to go ahead and make a wager in this fight. Yeah, so this is an interesting matchup. Uh, both of these middleweight fighters are hoping to have a, a late career resurgence that will lead them to unlikely title shot. I, I do think it's very unlikely, but... If you listen to Chris Wyman, he feels like he's a couple fights away from fighting Israel Adesanya and, and beating him. I think he's crazy, to be honest with you. I think he's been hit in the head too many times. But at the end of the day, Uriah Hall, you know, he's typically a slow starter. He has trouble with low volume, and he kind of hesitates in the first couple of rounds of his fights. But the thing that's funny about this matchup is Uriah Hall, he's often losing his fights until he pulls off like a spectacular knockout late in the fight. And then on the other end, you got Chris Wyman, and he normally has early success in his fights. He's winning round one, round two. It's like, man, he's clear-cut going to win this thing. And then he ends, ends up getting knocked out spectacularly. 
in the third round. You know, in this matchup, some something has to give. I believe that you know Chris Wyman clearly is the better grappler and wrestler in this matchup. He's the best grappler wrestler that Hall has ever faced. Hall's had trouble in the past with grapplers. He often gets taken down and he's controlled. Weidman, that's what he's going to look to do. He'll look to get Hall down early and often and just control him for three rounds for a unanimous decision victory. The The thing for Weidman is his chin. That That's his kryptonite right now. For whatever reason, he just – I don't know what it was. He, he didn't have this issue earlier in his career. It's I, it's Asian damage, clearly, um, but it's it's really bad now. It's like, you know, the wind blows and he's getting knocked out. So that's what you have to worry about if you're going to take uh, Chris Weidman in this matchup is, is this chin going to hold up? Because, you know, Hall likes to pressure his opponents. He lands vicious spinning kicks. He's got knockout power in his hands. He lulls his opponents into a sense of security before throwing one of those crazy spinning kicks. And so Chris Weidman's got to look out for that. But to be honest with you, Chris Weidman on the feet, he he's probably the better striker. He's for sure the better boxer. He, he, he's crisp, throws nice jabs. He's got power in his hooks, uh, and he mixes in some pretty, some heavy leg kicks. So in, in this matchup, the line is right. It's a coin flip fight. But I feel like it's a bargain to get Wyman right here. You know, their resumes aren't even close. Wyman's clearly, obviously, as champions, fought the much better fighters. Hall has had issues in his career just mentally getting up for fights. And I think this leads to why he kind of freezes up in the first couple rounds of his fights. He, It's almost like he's looking in the mirror. He, There's something going on with him mentally. Now, he's had some success over his last three fights. He changed camps, and that seems to have, have, have helped him. But let's be honest, the last three, he's won three in a row. Those three fighters aren't in the UFC anymore. And those three fights that he won, he could have lost. He fought Anderson Silva in his, in his most recent fight. He was losing. If that would have ended after the, the third round, if it was a th- three-round fight, he would have lost that fight. But he ended up knocking out Silva, I believe, in the fourth round. The fight before that, it was a split decision. It was a close – I think it was a split decision. It was very close, and he could have lost that one. He was getting taken down and controlled against um, Antonio Carlos Jr. And the fight before that was another questionable one. And all three of those fighters aren't in the UFC anymore. So long story short, I'm rambling here. But in the end, I just believe Wyman has more paths to victory. Um, he's the more well-rounded fighter who can win on the feet. He can win on the ground. Clearly the better grappler, submission artist, uh, better pure boxer. And like I said before, the only thing that loses his bet uh, for me or for whoever takes him is him getting knocked out. Other than that, I think what he's going to end up doing is just he's going to grapple the the crap out of uh, Hall. He's going to control him for three rounds, and he's going to get the unanimous decision victory so i personally i i already bet on wyman at minus 125 um i think it's i honestly think it's a steal um i, I really do i think it's a bargain to get wyman at, at minus 125 well that was an excellent handicap and as you were talking to it i sort of division you know certain things and i think a lot of a lot of the reason why i don't want to bet wideman you know you kind of mentioned the fact that you know he ends up at the end of the fight you know, kind of end up getting knocked out, you know, in, in dramatic fashion. And those are the ones that I remember more than than anything with him because I've watched a lot of his fights. But you, I think you mentioned the key thing that I left out of my handicap there, Gene, is, you know, it is his resume. And that's where my reservation begins to go ahead and, and just back haul. It's like, how do you go ahead and, and 
and just disregard what he's done in his career. He was a champion, and that's why I won't bet against him. And the fact that, you know, you, you walked me through your entire handicap, I'm glad that I'm passing. Um, you know, I, I, maybe I will end up going ahead and, and doing a little bit more work and talking to you a little bit more. Maybe I will bet Weidman in this one. I'm not sold really on either fighter. So you you clearly talked me into going ahead and taking a look at Weidman in this one. Um, it is It really is the resume for me, Gene, that, that just, you know, causes me a little bit of reservation. I have no reservation in the next one. I have a, a pretty decent size bet, a couple tied in here. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko, she's going to go ahead. She's going to face Jessica Andrade. Shevchenko right now just commanding a massive price, minus 400. Uh, if you do like Andrade, underdog in this one, you could get plus 325. There are some plus 350s out there. You guys have to shop around. This this particular fight uh, has some wide-ranging odds. Gene, I'll let you go ahead. I'll let you lead out with this one. I'm guessing you're probably excited for this fight probably as much as I am. But how do you think the Shevchenko and Draj fight is going to end up looking? Yeah, I'm excited for the next three fights, man. The UFC, thank you, UFC, for you know putting on three title fights. It, those are the best cards, obviously. Um, highest stakes. So this one kicks kicks off the uh, the run of title fights. And yeah, man, I got Val- Valentina Shevchenko here. She she's spectacular. She's the second, you know, in the UFC. You have Amanda Nunes. Um, Manny Nunes beat Shevchenko two times already. Um, one of them was questionable. I actually had Valentina being her, being her in one of those fights, but it's 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 Nunes and Shevchenko. It's one A one B. So you know you're backing if you're taking Valentina Shevchenko, you're backing you know one of the the best UFC fighters in general, and then you know arguably the best you know female fighter in the UFC. And man, this is going to be your toughest test to date. Arguably, I know she fought Joanna. Uh, Young Jacek in the division as well, but um, she's she's facing a, a killer in, in Jessica Andrade here. Um, this is going to be a test for her, and I, I feel like she's going to ace this test. Um, I believe Shevchenko's killer instinct, athleticism, power, and just all around skill will ultimately be the difference here. Like I said, Andrade is a killer. She has legit knockout power, and she can definitely hurt Shevchenko. But outside of that happening, I just don't see where she's better than than Shevchenko, especially in a five round fight. That that's the key for me. This was three rounds, you know, maybe maybe Andrade gets a flash knockout or something, you know, wins a couple rounds and ends up upsetting Shevchenko. But over the course of a five round fight, I, I just don't see it happening. You saw it in Shevchenko's last fight, um, where it was I think it was Mon- Montana. Um I, f- I forget the the chick's name. But anyways, it was um, she lost a round, and and I'll never forget, man. I ended up jumping on this. So Shevchenko going into that fight was like minus four hundred, minus five hundred, some crazy, and she ended up losing one of the rounds. I can't remember if it was the second round or third round. And the live betting had Shevchenko all the way down to like minus one ninety, minus two hundred. I jumped all over that. It was a steal, and you saw what happened after that round. I mean, she just she she dominated her for the next two three rounds and just won a unanimous decision. So, uh, and that was a tough fight for her. And I, I think what I want to speak on here is Shevchenko has been dominant. She has pretty much cleaned out this division. And when you're in that position as, as a champion, as a fighter, it's hard to wake up in the morning and, 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 and get in the gym and train when you're, when you know you're fighting these like C-level fighters, these fighters that, you know, I'm going to dominate. They're not going to beat me. I can toy with them you know, lose a round like she did in her last one, but I'm ultimately just going to dominate the remainder of the fight. 
and get my hand raised. And I think, man, this one, this fight against Jessica Andrade gets her out of bed to train hard. I've seen a couple interviews with her. Um, I've read some articles and she's super motivated, man. She's like, she's back to the old Shevchenko that was, that was, you know, moving up the division, trying to, trying to win a bout. Um, and I think that's the key here. She's not going to come in here. This isn't going to be one of her lackluster performances. I feel like this is the type of performance that we saw against Jessica I, where she had kicked her and, and knocked her out. One of the you know best knockouts of all time in the UFC. I, I, I'm confident in Shevchenko here. I, I'm going to throw her in a parlay. Um, and we'll get to the second fight that's coming up in a little bit, who I'm going to pair her with. But I got Shevchenko all day in here in, in this fight, and I would not be surprised if she finished her. And that line uh, for her to win by via finish is plus one thirty. The reason why I kind of like that prop is because Andrade is aggressive. She's going to come forward. She's going to go out on her shield. She's that type of fighter. And Shevchenko that Shevchenko is an amazing counter striker, um, vicious leg kicks, and I feel like. You know, if Andrade wants to make it that type of fight where it's a brawl and I'm going to go out on my shield, Shevchenko's going to oblige her. And um, like I said, Shevchenko's better everywhere. If if the fight hits the ground, she's strong enough to hold Andrade down and get a submission. So at the end of the day, I really like that prop. Um, and the last thing I'll say real quick as I ramble on about, about this fight, I'm just super excited, is Andrade, if you do feel like her path to victory is a knockout, she's not going to win a decision victory over Shevchenko. It's just not going to happen. Um, but if she is going to win, it's going to be by flash knockout. She has legit knockout power. She is super aggressive. And um, for her to finish, it's plus 450. So if you are on that side, you know, maybe look at Andrade plus 450 um, to get the victory there. Right now, I think she's plus 325, 350. So you're getting a little bit extra um, to get her by finish. And that's really her only path to victory. But Long story short, I got Shevchenko here. I think she's going to dominate, and I think she's going to finish Andrade inside the distance. Some really solid points there, Gene. I think the one that stuck out to me most was the fact that, you know, you went back and you were talking about, you know, the live betting opportunity that you have. And I actually think that that actually makes a lot of sense for this particular fight. Now, I think Shevchenko, she's going to look at Andrade as a little bit of a threat. And if she does start out, you know, a little bit slow, there's a chance you might actually get, you know, a much better line. Because, look, you're going to have to lay minus 400. Maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to see how it plays out. I actually think Shevchenko might come in here and play it a little bit slow, just just in the beginning. And I don't think maybe she'll give the first round away, but particularly maybe it'll go ahead and shrink the odds up a little bit. I think that that's certainly something that you guys can go ahead and look at. And then, Gene, you had mentioned, you know, going ahead, taking Shevchenko to go ahead and win by finish. I didn't even think about that wager, but that one makes so much sense. What about maybe the fight to go ahead and end? You know, in a KO, I didn't even look at that either because you had mentioned, you know, Andrade, she's not going to win a decision. She's not going to drag this thing out and win on the card. It's going to come by, you know, way of knockout more than likely. I'm going to have to go ahead back and, and go ahead and look and, and see what that price is because that kind of intrigues me. Now that we talked through it a little bit, and I didn't even give you my handicap yet, here's what I'll do. I, I actually think that, that Shevchenko is going to have a little bit of a test here from Andrade. She has a lot of good people, you know, on her resume. And the odds for me at minus 400, look, they're, they're a little bit high. I don't have a problem laying 400 in a fight, but I'm going to parlay it uh, because I think that's the only thing that you can do. But I think Shevchenko, she's eventually going to end up figuring it out here. She's just that damn good. You know, I feel like the only way Andrade probably wins this one, as you mentioned, uh, is by KO. 
I think she's only going to get maybe a couple chances, Gene, at those big shots, and they're going to have to get through. And I just don't think that Andrade is, is going to go ahead and, and put up enough volume, you know, to go ahead and get that done. So I'm going to make it short and sweet. All parlay Shevchenko. I don't want, you know, to go deep into this handicap or deep into this fight because my gut feeling says that this fight doesn't even go deep, you know, to even begin with. So uh, I'll go ahead. I'll do that. I'll pizza bet um, this fight not to go the distance minus 150. Those are the two wages I'll give you guys. More than likely tying Shevchenko into a parlay with crew um, that that's probably what I'll end up doing that parlay uh, right now will cost you right around minus 120 then the not to go the distance minus 150 that's what I'll do in that one Gene we got another title fight we got Wheelie Zhang here at minus 200 she's gonna go up and she's gonna face Rose Rose Namajunas plus 165 I'll let you go ahead and lead this one out Gene this one I think is is pretty clear cut I don't agree with these odds at all how you feeling about Wheelie Zhang and Rose Namajunas for this fight? Yeah, so I'm super excited for this one, second title fight on the card. Zhang Weili is coming off her 2020 fight of the year against Yuana Young Jacek, and she's looking to defend her title for the second time against former two-time champion Rose Namajunas. Namajunas will look to use her feints and movement in this fight. She wants to stay on the outside, avoid Weili's power, and pick her apart with jabs and her one-two combos. She's one of the better boxers in the division, and she'll look to land a counter left hook or or a counter straight. And uh, Whaley has been susceptible to the left hand in her career. However, Whaley is uber tough and has a ridiculous chin that has shown that it can withstand damage for five rounds, as evidence in that Yuana Young Jacek fight. Uh, Nami Yunus is also slick submission grappler. She likes to look for the back of her opponents, lock up chokes. She also go for arm bars and, and, and triangle chokes as well. But to neutralize Nami Yunus's movement, uh, Whaley's just going to look to establish her devastating leg kick. She has amazing, amazing um, leg kicks to the lead leg of her opponents. Um, and that ultimately affects her opponent's movements. And, and in the end, ultimately affects their striking. So I, I feel like that will allow her to... Um, stop Namiunas's movements, and then she'll be able to implement her power and punish Namiunas on the feet. Uh, Whaley throws crisp and heavy counter left hooks. Um, I believe ultimately that will hurt Namiunas, and that's the path to the victory for for Whaley Zhang. Um, if the fight is contested in the grappling department, Whaley is much stronger than than Namiunas. Um, she has great takedown defense and. In the clinch, she utilizes her trips really well um, to get her opponents down and control them. And and I feel like you know she'll she'll score points if she needs to. You know if it ends up getting that clinch, she could just trip her, you know, score some points in in, in the fight. So in the end, I, I just don't believe Nami Yunus will be able to handle Whaley's power and strength for five rounds. Simply put, um, Nami Yunus may have some success early early in. Pardon me, Nami Yunus may have success in the early rounds. But eventually, I feel like Whaley's power and strength will overwhelm Namiunas and lead to Whaley finishing her in the distance. And one fight I just want to speak on is Namiunas' previous fight against Andrade, which ended up get, getting her this title fight against Whaley. Um, in that fight, she looked great in the first two rounds, and or at least the round and a half, I should say, because um, that second round was really close. But first round, she looked spectacular, lighting Andrade up. Second round looked great for most of it. 
um, ran into some trouble in the second, at the end of the second. But then the third, Andrade just lit her up. I mean, she almost finished her multiple times. It, it arguably was a 10-8 round in the third. And um, even on the, on the judges' scorecards, it ended up being a split decision. So one of the judges had it for Andrade. And um, Whaley's got more power than, than Andrade. She's 20 times better than Andrade. I mean, I really feel like this woman is going to go down as like one of the best UFC fighters in general and one of the best you know women's fighters of all time. I mean, she's that good. And um, I just don't feel like if if Rose is having issues with Andrade's power in the three-round fight, imagine what type of trouble she's going to have with Weili Zhang over the course of five rounds. So um, the pick for me is Weili Zhang. I'm I'm confident in this. I'm gonna lay. I'm gonna lay the two hundred. Um, I'm not worried. I'm pardon me. I'm not worried about laying minus two hundred on her. And a couple props that I've looked at. I'm not saying I'm I'm actually gonna do it, but if if you're looking to get a better price. Um, for the fight to go the distance and you're saying, no, it will not, you can get even money plus 100. That's not a bad bet. Cause I do think Whaley Zhang, um, will finish her. And if she doesn't, let's just say Rose Namajunas gets crazy and is able to lock up a submission, you know, obviously it's not going to decision. So that's plus money. And then, uh, for Whaley Zhang, just to win inside the distance is plus 200. So those aren't, um, those aren't bad props to look at as well. I'm with you 100%, Gene. There's no way that, that I'm going to go ahead and take Rose in this fight. You touched on a lot of good things. I think one of the most important was just go back to that Andrade fight, you know, where Rose actually started out really good. Her boxing was like, you know, borderline elite to start that fight out. But then it was like a puzzle that Andrade was able to go ahead and figure out. And although Rose ended up winning that fight, I felt like she really started to lose it, you know, in the back half there. And you're right, you know, she got in some serious trouble and almost looked like she was, you know, in danger of getting knocked out. But I'll go ahead. I'll lay the 200 in this fight. I feel really comfortable about this one. Gene, this probably has a really good chance to go end up being fight of the night. This one probably is going to start out to be a brawl, at least for like the first two, two and a half rounds. I could see this one just going crazy. Rose is going to box. You know, that, that's what she does well. That's probably like her best thing. I think she's going to do that early in the fight. You know, and then we're going to end up seeing her tail off you know, through probably the last few rounds. And it's just, Zang, like you had mentioned, you know, with her left, that's going to be tough. And she's going to figure out, you know, what she could do with Rose. You mentioned the kicks. And if if those kicks are working, that's just going to put Rose in a predicament where I have a feeling like she's going to have to try to get Zang down. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to work. You know, Rose, she, she didn't wear the damage all that well in the last fight. And going up against Wheelie Zhang here, more than likely that damage is going to show again. And I worry about that. You know, sometimes the judges, you know, they look at what a fighter looks like throughout the fight. And I have a feeling like Rose is going to, she's going to wear that damage a whole hell of a lot worse than, than Weili Zhang will. And I certainly think Rose could go ahead and depend on her striking. But, you know, Weili Zhang, she's just going to go ahead and, and probably dispose of, you know, people so much faster than Rose has. Rose hasn't been, you know, known to, to, to close the show or in similar fashion, you know, over like her last couple fights. So, for me, I think Weili Zhang wins. I think she gets dubbed as probably the greatest straw weight. Uh, if this one goes deep into the fight and this one turns into a barn burner, which I think it might, could end up being like a third straight rematch type of fight here for Rose. Uh, if this one, you know, ends up playing out the way that, you know, her last couple fights have, have you know, gone ahead and, and played out. 
you know, with Rose going ahead and, and you know, back-to-back rematches against Joanna and then back-to-back rematches against Andrade. So this clearly could go down as one of those Rose fights that turns into, a you know, an instant classic. But for me, uh, there's no way I'm going to go ahead and, and fade Wheelie Zhang in this one for me, Gene. It's minus 200 for me. That's what I'm going to go ahead and do. Two title fights out of the way. Now we're going to go to the main event. It's going to be the big one here for the 261 UFC card. We got Usman versus Masvidal. To Usman, he's going to be minus 435 here. Gene Masvidal, plus 320. Uh, look, we did all the fights, and, you know, the guy who's went ahead and, and has taken nothing but favorites on this card. I'm going to go out. I'm going to take the underdog here in Jorge Masvidal. I'm back in Masvidal here, plus 320. And I feel pretty good about it. I think it's dangerous for, you know, Usman to come back and give a guy a second look. Usman hasn't had a rematch bout. And, you know, I feel like Masvidal is, is you know, from what I've seen, you know, is far more confident now that, you know, he actually had a training camp under his belt. You know, Masvidal has experience against some of the top guys in the UFC. And I also think that this is a potential, you know, massive loss to Masvidal if he loses this fight. You know, he's going to be regarded as, let's just say, maybe one of those has-been fighters. You know, those big paychecks aren't going to be coming around anymore. And I have a feeling like, you know, if that does happen, if he loses this, you know, he's going to be in his head you know, in any of the, you know, future fights for him. And it's not going to result very well for Masvidal. So I think he's kind of up against the ropes here, Gene. But look, if he could beat Usman here, I just think it's going to be potentially go down as, as one of the bigger upsets here, you know, in the UFC over the last couple of years. Look, Jorge only had six, you know, he only had six days training camp and it was on short notice going into the first fight. It's like, you know, who's going to beat Who's going to beat Usman on six days training camp? Uh, probably nobody. Um, you know, nobody's beating him. You know, you got to go all the way back to what, like 2013. And, you know, you can't even really chalk that up. But for me, man, it's it's just, it's a combination of Masvidal is going to come in here confident. He's going to come in here with a second look. He's going to be up against it, knowing that, you know, he needs to win this fight in order to go ahead and keep his career, you know, on that trajectory where it was at, which is, you know, uphill. And for Usman, you know, he can go ahead, he could win this fight 100% without a doubt. You know, he could do it in dramatic fashion, you know, undisputed champion type fashion. Um, there, there's no there's no denying that. But I don't think this is going to be an easy, easy fight here for Usman. I think this is going to be a tough one. Masvidal has been in there with him before. He's done some damage to Usman. I think he could probably maybe figure out the trick. And one of the things we've seen, you know, in the UFC is, you know, these guys, they just don't remain at the top forever. Eventually, the clock strikes 12. And I believe the clock is going to strike 12 here on Usman. So I'm going to go ahead and make kind of a ballsy play here, Gene. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Jorge Masvidal plus the 320 to go ahead and win the main event in upset fashion. And then you know what this division is going to look like, Gene. It's going to be absolutely crazy. Everybody's going to be wanting to fight each other. This could turn into a real circus here uh, within the division if Masvidal gets it done. But that's the way I'll go. How you feel about the main event? Yeah, I agree with you on the the ballsy play. This is definitely a ballsy play by you. Um, And I can't fault you. You know, Masvidal is talented, uh, and he could knock out Usman. But in general, I have to disagree with you here. I I, I just don't see it, man. I I do not see this fight being any different than the first matchup between Usman and, and Masvidal. Usman just clearly dominated Masvidal throughout their first matchup. And I, and you did speak on it. It was on six days, no six days notice. So you have to give Masvidal a pass this one. He's getting pretty much a full um, training camp and, and Usman welcomed that, that, that was the whole thing. 
Um, a lot of people, you know, normally rematches are highly anticipated. This one, it really isn't highly anticipated for, for most fans because they understand that Usman dominated him the first time and what's going to change the second time around. But um, obviously full, you know, six days versus uh, full camp, you know, it's going to benefit Masvidal to a degree, but I just think Usman's on another level. This guy is potentially going to be the greatest welterweight of all time. I know that's saying a lot because you have GSP, um, which he's arguably one of the greatest of all time. So it's it's kind of crazy to say that. But, man, even Dana White recently um, backed up that statement and says that he feels like Usman is the greatest welterweight of all time, just given who, he, who he's fought in the division and who he's going to end up fighting towards the tail end of his career. And, you know, Usman is just a ridiculous wrestler. I mean, he is Khabib, and I would have loved to see Khabib versus Usman. I think Usman would have beat Khabib, to be honest with you. Usman, he, 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 he controls all aspects of the fight. In the first one, he controlled Masvidal in the clinch. He got him on the ground. He dominated him there. Um, he was able to land some shots on the feet and withstand some of Masvidal's big punches as well. And Masvidal believes that a full camp will allow him to properly prepare and defeat Usman. That's cool. You know, I, I agree with him. Six days versus the, you know, the the full camp. Obviously, you want the full camp, but the extra time and, and the training, I just don't feel will be enough against arguably, like I said, the greatest welterweight of all time. I just believe that Usman's going to end up smothering Masvidal with his relentless grappling throughout this matchup. And just same thing as the first time, win a, a dominant one-sided um, decision victory. And here's the other thing with this matchup as well. You, you have Usman now moving over to uh, Trevor Whitman. And um, Trevor Whitman is a spectacular striking coach. He's He's a spectacular coach in general. He's the head coach of Justin Gaethje, but um, he turned Gaethje's career around and made him a perennial contender. And now Usman, who was already arguably the greatest, you know, welterweight, he moves over to Trevor Whitman, and he's just gotten better. You saw in his last fight against Burns. Now, yes, he did catch a crazy shot from Burns and, and almost got knocked out himself, but he weathered that storm. And then after that, he just pieced. Burns up on the feet. It, it wasn't even a wrestling match. He didn't wrestle him. That's what he typically does. He typically Khabib's you. You know, he typically just grinds it out, relentless, take you down, you stand up, take you down again, you stand up, take you down again. Like just relentless, ground and pound. That wasn't that type of fight for him against Burns. You know, he he destroyed Burns on the feet. He has a ridiculous jab. I haven't seen it. I'm trying to think of another fighter that has that type of jab. It's insane. It's it's a piston. He does legit damage with that jab. And you saw that in the Kobe fight too, even before he started working with Trevor Whitman, his stand-up game was getting better. So um, obviously working with Trevor Whitman, his, his stand-up game is going to be even better than it was last time. And it was pretty spectacular against Burns. And so if he needs a stand with Masvidal, I think he can. I wouldn't. I don't think he will. That's the thing about Kamaru Usman as well. Another uh, factor or intangible, I should say. He's super smart. The guy is one of the the smartest fighters in UFC history. He 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 lays a game plan out there and he executes it to a T. And I just think he realizes like, hey man, Masvidal is incredible striker, incredible boxer. All I need to do is just take this guy down to the ground. He's not that good at with his takedown defense. He's not good once he his back hits the ground. And why risk anything? Um, what to prove a point? You know, I'm just going to go out there, do the same thing I did the first time and just dominate this guy on the mat and, and, and just win a unanimous decision victory. So 
I got Usman here. I don't fault anyone for, you know, I don't fault you for taking Masvidal. Masvidal on the feet is is a killer. He can land that one punch. I mean, it's not even one punch with that guy. I mean, he can just, he can kick you. He lands ridiculous body shots uh, with his legs. He's smart. Masvidal's smart as well. But I just think at the end of the day, Masvidal's had, what, 50 fights? I don't know how old he is. He's in his you know mid-30s maybe at this point in time. He has his tool bag. His tool bag is just – it's set. There's no – no new tools are going into that tool bag. He is the fighter that he is. And, unfortunately, Usman just has that one tool that Masvidal just can't handle, and it's it's the relentless pressure – the relentless uh, wrestling and grappling. So I just think in the end, that's um, Usman's path to victory. And I think he's going to end up winning a a dominant decision victory. And that is my second leg of, that's the second leg of my parlay. So I'm I'm parlaying Shevchenko and Usman. And it's a minus 190 is the odds on that. So I'm going to take those, those two fighters in the parlay and, uh, yeah, man, I'm just looking. I'm looking forward to, to both of those title fights. Yeah, I'm not surprised that you went ahead and disagreed here, Gene. You know, you and I, we've been, you know, we've been back in Usman. I think what maybe like his last two or three fights in a row, and we've agreed strongly. But I just feel like that there's a whole different dynamic here, you know, with Usman going ahead and, and agreeing to the rematch. And he kind of had to agree to it because, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to try to avoid a guy that you that you took on short notice. No, you know, Usman by by rights should have to fight Masvidal um, at some point, maybe not this particular fight, but, you know, just to go ahead and say, you know what, man, that, that wasn't, that wasn't a fluke. You know, I did what I did in there. There's a reason why I won, you know, the way that he won. I mean, he absolutely demolished Masvidal in that fight, but I feel like this is a good thing for Usman's career. The fact that he's like, you know what, you want a second look at me? All right, cool. I'll, I'll give it to you. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll beat you up again, but I just worry that there's just a couple too many things that, you know, are, are not in Usman's favor now that are, you know, kind of in, in Masvidal's favor here. And again, the clock, it does strike 12 on a lot of these fighters. And, and Usman, I mean, we know how good he is, man. He can go out here and dominate and I could be completely wrong. But I like the price on, on Masvidal. I think plus 320 uh, is not a bad price. I do like that that parlay, though. You know, Shevchenko Usman, um, that's a good parlay, especially at minus 190. Uh, we covered a ton of stuff here, Gene. A lot of wagers. Uh, this is going to be a great event. I'm sure I'll be texting you again, uh, as we do for all these big fights. But, guys, uh, make sure you guys go ahead and check us out on Twitter. That's SleepyJ underscore Pregame. Make sure, <clears throat> make sure you guys check out Gene at MeanGene0022. And you find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, Pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on Saturday. Enjoy the fights. <laughs> 